Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Martin Bennett on the inspiring true story of the Japanese pilot who led the secret attack on Pearl Harbor. He didn't want to become a Christian. He wasn't seeking God. He was just seeking truth. And that's all you really need to find God. He was like, why? Why would you do this? What happens in people's lives? And he wanted to read the Bible just out of sheer curiosity. And I think we should encourage people to seek the truth. Jesus said, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And the thing the truth sets you free from is lies. Martin Bennett, next. The book Wounded Tiger, according to author Martin Bennett, tells the little-known true story of the pilot who led the Pearl Harbor attack and the lives of an American prisoner of war and the daughter of missionaries who played huge roles in changing his life. As the book is currently being released, Martin is also working on seeing it being made into a major film. Martin, tell us about the main subject of Wounded Tiger, Mitsuo Fuchida. How did he come to your attention and why did you want to tell this story? From an early age, I've always loved true stories. I remember in fifth grade, our teacher said you had to read so many books in her class and all the girls cheered and all the boys groaned and I was groaning. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to read any books. So I went down the library looking at these shelves of Pride and Prejudice and, you know, these classics and I, I didn't want to read any of them. And then I saw, you know, the true story of Thomas Edison, Abraham Lincoln, Lou Gehrig, uh, Eastman Kodak. And I just I read all the books on the shelf. Uh, I love true stories. It's just, you know, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He gives us a set of gifts, and those gifts prepare us for our calling. So part of my calling was to tell true stories. I didn't know it at that time, but I, I can see it in, in hindsight. So I've always loved true stories, whether they're books or films. I, I gravitate toward Christian stories, but even if it's a, not a Christian story, if it's a true story, I want to find out and I want to learn from it. So when I came across the story of Fuchida, or Fuchida, as they say in Japan, then I thought, wow, this, this is not only a cinematic story that's compelling, would be a great movie, it opens the door to the gospel. And everything I do, has to, I want to have some redemptive element to it. I'm not in the business of entertaining people on their way to hell. I want to, I want to you know, get their attention mm -hmm. and tell them, hey, there's a better way, and you can get on a different elevator here that's going up. And that's what the story is. It's a catalyst to encourage people to consider the Lord who otherwise would not do so. And for those people listening, I've given this book, Wounded Tiger, to many people who are as far outside of the gospel realm as you can imagine, and they have embraced it enthusiastically over and over and over. One guy was even the head of an atheist club, and he really liked the story. It's because it appeals to universals. It's not um, contrived. Hmm. It's not you know, Pastor Bob with five points on why you should change your life. It's witnessing a guy who hated people, well, several people who hated others, and they, they come around to loving people at great expense to themselves. And it's, it's a fascinating story for that reason. And it really, to, to define this as well, to answer your question, it's really three stories built into one. Wounded Tiger is the story of the pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor, but he's only about 50% of the story. About 30% is a guy named Jake DeShazer, who was an American who volunteered for what's called the U.S. Army Air Corps at the time and later became uh, the Air Force. And he ended up on a raid on Japan, the first counterattack against the Japanese by the United States. He becomes a prisoner of war and he was in solitary confinement and tortured. And it was awful for I me mean, for 40 months. But that's when his transformation took place. And then there's a story of the Covells, who were teachers, highly educated and qualified teachers and, and missionaries who were in Japan 
as Japan started to, to ramp up for the war, they fled to the Philippines, then they sent their kids back to the United States to complete their education. So you have these three plot lines that have nothing to do with each other at all. In fact, I've had a couple of people who started the book says, Martin, why am I reading this guy? He has nothing to do with it. I said, just wait, you'll see. <laughs> and the net result is when people finish the book, they say, Martin, I have never read a story like this in my life. Some see the best book they read that year. I've had many say it was the best book they ever read in their life. It's an amazing true story, and it's encouraging and inspiring almost no matter what stage of life you're at and where you're at on your spiritual journey. And it is, obviously, it's it's designed really to be a page-turner. It's written in kind of short, concise chapters, and it's filled with many photographs. I mean, I don't know how many. There must be several hundred. Over 300. The count was 308 or 9, something like that. But uh, I, the first edition of the book, which I did like 10 years ago, had just some maps in it. And my son, one of my sons said, hey, dad, put pictures in it. And I said, it's not easy to find these pictures. He said, dad, you got to do it. So I've been hunting for pictures ever since. Mm. And Fuchita's son died about five years ago. And he had in his possession, his father's photos, journals, letters, everything that was given to the University of Stanford. I went out there about six months ago and went through all these files. And it was just phenomenal, all the pictures and letters and so this book has a ton of stuff, including something that I've never seen in print anywhere, and I never heard anyone refer to it in print anywhere, and that is the actual telegraph of Tora 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 that Fuchida sent back to his ship and that they recorded it. I didn't even know it existed until this year. A Japanese national researcher who's working with me and a believer found it. We got permission. They were very strict about the permission, and we got it. So it's it just brings the story to life in front of your eyes. Well, my guest today on His People is T. Martin Bennett. He's author of the book we're talking about, Wounded Tiger, the true story of the pilot who led the Pearl Harbor attack. Well, turning to that pilot, as you said, uh, Martin, it, the book focuses about 50% on his life, Mitsuo Fuchida. What can you tell us about him and how he came to be in such a prominent position in the uh, in Japan's Imperial uh, Japanese Army Air Service to be the leader of the attack on Pearl Harbor? Well, he loved his country in a good way, but he also loved his country in a bad way in that he wanted their nation to be a great nation and a conquering nation. They looked at the Western nations colonizing other other countries and have been doing it for hundreds of years and japan said well it's our turn and they were they they uh attacked and conquered korea they were in in china and they wanted to expand their empire in a big way and he wanted to be a part of being a great empire that's you know we when i, when I was in high school they talked about alexander the great he was a great man but as an adult, I started thinking, was this guy really a great person? I, I'm not so <laughs> sure he was a great person. He's just robbing and stealing and killing and murdering people. And it's not great. So Fuchida wanted to be great in the bad way, in an arrogant, you know, selfish way. Uh, so uh, he he joined the military and he was just really good at what he did. And he was the their top pilot. And this attack on Pearl Harbor, he was chosen for because he was a skilled guy. But he said in his own words, it was like the happiest day of his life. He loved killing Americans. So as a researcher, I was like, well, what, what were the Japanese thinking? Why were they so angry at the United States? What mm -hmm. would cause them to do this? Were they trying to take over the country? I mean, what was going on? I asked my teachers these things. They didn't know the answer to the question. So when I started the story, I tried to find that element. It was not easy to find. But I ended up meeting with a professor. Actually, he was an author of a book called The Gathering Darkness, I think. Hmm. 
I contacted the publisher. They put me in touch with him. I went to Japan. I spent the day with him going to three different museums and asking him just question after question after question about who, what, when, where, why, how. And about three quarters of the way through the day, I had this like aha moment of, okay, I see what's going on here. I, I, I got, I know what happened. I know why it happened. Now I need to figure out how to make it, you know, distill it into a, into a, a story that will fit within a film and then later fit within a book. So that was the essence of it. But, but the net result, Bill, is that I've had people tell me that they thought they were a war buff on the Japanese side, but they learned so many things that they just never knew before. Even Japanese nationals have told me that. And the book has been translated into Japanese mm. and it's available in J Japanese, but we're going to do a big push next year. This year is on the English in the U.S. Can you give us a glimpse into what those motivations were on the part of the Japanese? You know, it's funny, you know, the big, big problems, big issues in life usually boil down to very simple things. Mm -hmm. And they just wanted club membership. They wanted to be recognized as a significant country, just like, um, you know, a little leaguer wants to make it to the next league up. And, uh, you know, no one in, in, a, in the farm league wants to be told, you're never going to be in the major leagues. You're a farm league baseball player. And that's how the Japanese felt. And it gets a bit complicated, but uh, I can tell you that after World War I, there was the precursor to the United Nations, which was the League of Nations, and it was headed up by President Wilson. And there's only about a dozen or so countries that participated at that point. But the Japanese put forth what's called the racial equality proposal. And this is in the book, Wounded Tiger. It, the racial equality proposal is just what it sounds like. And some of the nations say, yeah, we got to put this as a part of the charter of the League of Nations. But then other nations said, no, that's not true. All races are not equal. And President Wilson said, we're not going to allow this unless it's done unanimously that everyone agrees. And that infuriated the Japanese because they wanted to be recognized as equal and they felt that racial discrimination was wrong, which it is. There's a lot more to that than, than that overview. But Fuchida then later was in Japan and uh, on a training mission because the US and Japan were allies from World War I. And when he was meeting with local Japanese people, men, they were complaining about how they're being treated by the Americans. They were being discriminated against. There were being articles written against them called the Yellow Peril. And this, they were just like, hey, we just want to work and live and mind our own business. Why are they doing this? They weren't even allowed to testify in court when, when there's a trial against people who've done something bad to them. They weren't allowed to testify. Anyway, so that made Fuchida really angry. And he felt like, hey, we need to flex our muscle and let people know who we are. You can't do this to us. But had the United States simply been kind to Japan, there wouldn't have been a war. That raises all kinds of other issues, but thank you for that background. We appreciate that so much. And as you said just a minute ago, Martin, you uh, the stories about 50% uh, of this man that led the uh, surprise attack on Pearl Harbor, Mitsuo Fuchida, and uh, in, in all of uh, the surrounding elements of that, but then also Jake DeShazer. Uh, Correct. Uh, t tell us about, you say, you say that he was, a, of course, taken a prisoner of war, and, and you point out in your book that he uh, underwent a tremendous psychological, uh, physical suffering. Yeah. And, uh, so I, yeah, I can set up the story and, and uh, people can read the first chapters that, that I'm talking about for free at WoundedTiger.com. But the story of Jake DeShazer, he was just an average guy trying to make his way in the world, trying to earn money doing this and doing that. Nothing was really working out for him. So he did what a lot of people do. He just joined the Army. And it happened to be the U.S. Army Air Corps. It was not far from where he lived. He trained to be a bombardier. 
uh, and this was before the war had started. Now, the people, the rank and file were not necessarily aware that war was imminent, but the higher ups felt like, hey, we are definitely going to be involved in this war. There's no way it's not going to touch us. Mm -hmm. And the uh, Pearl Harbor attack was the match that really lit the whole thing. So it was only a few months after that, it was in April, that that Jake DeShazer ended up on what's called the Doolittle Raid. Some people know what it is. And this is the first counterattack against the Japanese. So Jake DeShazer, he was just like any red-blooded, angry American who wanted revenge against the dirty Japs. That's the way they say it. It's very insulting. I'm just saying that, that yeah. that's the language. Even the front page of newspapers would use that word Japs like mm -hmm. that. So Because we want to make our enemy look like he's as far different and other than us, and it makes it easier to hate and kill like that. I'm not against killing per se. I'm against hate hatefulness. So in any event, he goes out there, he, he bombs Japan, his plane's supposed to land in China, where we were in, one of our allies, but his plane ran out of fuel before he could get there. He ended up parachuting out with his crew over occupied China, and he gets captured, made a prisoner of war. And in his own words, he said he was, quote, crazy with hatred toward the Japanese. He just wanted to kill them all. He was so angry. His buddies, him and his buddies were or tortured, a couple died from uh, exposure, execution. I mean, it was, it was awful in every way. But that's when he started asking big questions like, why am I so full of hatred? Is this a good way to live? Is this the way I want to live my life? Is this the way I want to die? I don't want to be that way. And he remembered his mom. And this is a shout out to moms out there. You don't realize how powerful you are in, in the lives of your kids because you've imprinted your life on them even if they say, oh, I don't have time for that, I don't care about that, when they're in the bottom rung looking at death, suddenly they remember, like Jake did, my mom loves God, she has peace, she has security, I don't have those things, God, show me how I can have what my mom has. And he didn't know what it was. So he, he asked, you know, he, they had books that they could read in solitary. He ended up getting a Bible and he just read it voraciously. And you'll see in the story what happened, why, and and uh, how he got baptized is very interesting as well, which I don't want to say. So that's kind of a fun thing in there. That's Jake's story. That's that's the beginning of Jake's story. Oh. And this is a character-driven book, just for everybody to know. It's not about bombs, planes, and ships. It's about people. And, and it just reminds me, uh, I know you've had uh, great familiarity with John Newton. And John Newton uh, has a very similar story. The, his mother, although she died when he was very young, brought to mind when he was in a time of great trial later in her, his life. Uh, things that she had taught him. Yeah, that's exactly true. I spent years studying his life. I met with the world's leading authorities on John Newton, and uh, she was a godly woman. She and she impressed him deeply, and it was a huge hole in his life when she died uh, from tuberculosis, and it was very common. And he was without her, and his dad remarried, and he became the you know Cinderella stepson that the family, the mom, didn't care about because she was he wasn't a blood child of his new mom. And so he just went on a rebellious track and yeah, but it was his mom that put that in his heart from the beginning. And ultimately that ultimately brought him back to seek out God. And his life story is another movie I can't wait to do because <laughs> it's amazing. Well, you're weaving the stories in your book, uh, Wounded Tiger, the true story of the pilot who led the Pearl Harbor attack, uh, Mitsuo Fuchida. And uh, you, you mentioned, you've talked a little bit here about Jake DeShazer, and then the Covell family, they were missionaries in Japan, and they fled because of the war to the Philippines, and somehow their lives become 
intertwined here. Can you tell us about Well, yeah, it? they do. And they have a daughter named Peggy Covell, and she becomes the fulcrum of change in Fuchita's life. And I like to tell people that you don't have to go out there to conquer the world as a world leader. You just have to do simple acts done in obedience to the Lord. Simple acts of kindness and love can have monumental impacts on the lives of other people. And that's what happened with Peggy Cavell without giving away the story. So with her parents, uh, they were afraid because they were locking people up who are not 100% you know, gung-ho on the war. Of course, they were Americans in Japan. They fled to the Philippines and they felt they were safe there. There was 100,000 troops. MacArthur was there. There was airplanes, everything. And they said the Japanese would never attack the Philippines and would never be successful. But what happened was they did and they were successful. And the and uh, half of their troops or more were, were Filipinos and they just ran into the woods. MacArthur fled to Australia and they were stranded on an, on an island called Panay, P-A-N-A-Y. And it was full of Japanese who were hunting Americans and trying to find them and kill them to wipe them off the island. So that was what happened to her parents. They were in that in the in that jungle and Peggy Covell was in upstate New York ultimately she volunteers to help Japanese people at an internment camp and a very long story short word gets back to Fuchida of a woman who loves her enemies why would she love her enemies and that was the question he couldn't understand where, where does this love come from so my encouragement to everybody else listening is you don't have to be a Billy Graham. You don't have to be some big, powerful, famous person. She just, she had no idea what her life would do. She just wanted to help people. And to be honest, she was a very um, private, introvert kind of person, a librarian. She was a librarian. Hmm. Yeah. So she was not out there trying to change the world. She was out there trying to honor God. And God made sure she changed the world. Well, in terms of uh, the subject of the book, uh, Mitsuyo Fuchida, you uh, said, of course, he her example impacted him. Uh, and can you talk about? I mean, we we don't have time to talk about everything. Obviously, it's a it's a massive book, but s- some other things that that pointed him to Christ that uh, that grabbed his attention. Oh yeah. Okay. So with with him. He had a generic spiritual understanding. You know, the, in Japan, they're kind of a, a, a mix of Shinto, Buddhism, animism, Confucianism. Basically, there's a spiritual realm out there somewhere. No one really knows how it works, but somehow it's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they believed that the gods were with them and they would refer to that. Hey, if something favorable happened, we call it providential. They call it, you know, the gods are with us. But then he then he would see things that he couldn't understand. Um, uh, the war went all wrong and bad, and he felt like the gods were against them. So you know, it's kind of like uh, when when Paul was by the fire and and he gets bitten by a snake, and they said, "Well, he must be an evil man. You know, the gods are judging him for being evil." And then he shakes it off in the fire, and he doesn't die. He says, "Well, he's not dying. He must be a god." It's like, <laughs> well, no, everything you're saying is wrong because you have a wrong theology, right? So with Fuchida, his theology was, he didn't have a theology, it was just kind of this mush. But on the Pearl Harbor attack, his plane was hit by shrapnel twice, or by flak. And flak is a bomb that explodes and all these parts go flying out everywhere. And um, when he got, he, but it didn't down his plane. So when he landed his plane back on his aircraft carrier, his engineer showed him that his, one of his control wires had been hit by the shrapnel 
and was frayed, but not broken. It was just hanging by a thread. If that had popped, his plane would have just dropped into the ocean. He would have died. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. So these kinds of things happened to him over and over. He was in Hiroshima, gets a phone call, leaves the city. The next day it's bombed. His hotel is vaporized. And he had to start asking, why am I not dead? What is happening in my life? And he saw these coincidental providential acts of God or the gods or whatever. And then he started seeing people like Peggy Covell, who loved her enemies, and there was something supernatural about that. And then Jake DeShazer, he he read an article about him, and he thought the name of the thing was I I bombed Japan. And it tells his story and his testimony. And these things started to add up for him. He didn't want to become a Christian. He wasn't seeking God. He was just seeking truth. And that's all you really need to find God. He was like, why, why would you do this? What happens in people's lives? And he wanted to read the Bible just out of sheer curiosity. And I think we should encourage people to seek the truth. Jesus said, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And the thing the truth sets you free from is lies. And we have a lot of lies that we're told, but we think they're true, but they're not. And so it, you'll see in the story this journey of him coming out of these clouds of that he's been steeped in from a, a young age of false religions, false idols, wrong ideas of God and everything else. And as he gets into clarity of heart, mind and spirit, then there's that moment of pow, it all comes together. Um, and, and, then, and then things start to get even more ridiculous. And I think a good story is like a good roller coaster. Right when you think the roller coaster is over, it's not over. It starts changing all around. So people have told me they thought the end of the book was just unbelievable. And it is unbelievable. I mean, myself, it still moves me. So that's a little bit more on, on what affected Fuchida. Seeing things happen that we would call providential or maybe his guardian angel saving his life. Why? Because there was a purpose and a plan and the Lord was going to carry it out for him. And when he realized that, that's when he really started to seek God earnestly and the Lord met him. And again, there are many details here we're not able to touch on, but both Mitsu Fuchida and uh, Jake DeShazer had ministry in Japan right after the war. Yeah, they did. They both they both did. And, and uh, you know, uh, Fuchida traveled the world for years and uh, Jake DeShazer did the same thing. He founded churches in Japan and it was absolutely phenomenal uh, that even to this day we're still talking about it. So, yeah, uh, the, the, the legacy of godly men really never ends. It just keeps bearing good fruit. Well, uh, my guest today on His People has been Mr. T. Martin Bennett, author of Wounded Tiger, the true story of the pilot who led the Pearl Harbor attack. There's many more, but uh, and you've touched on some of them, very uh, poignant ones. But, uh, Martin, what messages do you hope come through? What do you hope that we will apply to our lives as believers. You know, Wounded Tiger is a story of hope. It's a story of inspiration. Like I said, people who don't care about God at all, um, they start caring when they read this story. I met with a woman, very liberal, very, you know, not interested in Christianity at all, zero. And she read the book and I sat down with her and her husband. And um, at some point, you know, she started to cry. She said that this story had really affected her in a very deep way. She started explaining how her mom was mean to her and how she hated her mom. And she said, when I saw how much people loved 
in this book, I realized I need to be a better person. And I thought that's a great starting point because people do not seek God if they think they're fine. It's when we realize we're not fine and that we need to change, but we're not sure what that means. So the message that I want, well, not the message, the, the outcome, I guess, is the function of the story is that it's a catalyst. It's a catalyst to make people think and examine who they are and what they're living for and to consider, you know, if this God can help Fuchida and DeShazer in situations that are impossible to fix, it just looks like there's no possible good outcome here, and he makes a good outcome, you think, well, maybe he can help me. So I want people to have the hope that it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you cannot ruin your life to the point that God cannot fix it. That's a, that's a lie from the enemy. The scripture says that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So when Samson had made every wrong choice in the book and ended up becoming a blind slave of his enemies, the devil would say, well, your life is done. You will never, ever, ever accomplish God's purposes. It can't happen. But it did happen. And it happened when he basically said to God, I don't care what happens to me anymore. I just want what you want. Help me, you know, defeat the Philistines. And it says in his death, he killed more than in his life. So we have to come to that point of surrender saying, I don't care anymore about me. I don't care about the job or the money or the, the spouse or the, all these dream vacations. I just want whatever you want. Show me. I will die to myself and live to you. And guess what? He makes it happen. And you'll see that in this story. People who are in situations that are just unbelievably terrible and facing death and no way out. And then when you get to the end of the story, you'll see one good thing after another, like how could that even be possible? Even myself as a researcher, and even though I know the story, I still wonder like, <laughs> how did these things happen? And it just does make you praise God of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shot. I'm, I'm gonna let the Lord be in charge here because it pays off. It actually, if you're a selfish person, you will trust God with everything because it's gonna work out better for you. It just flat out is. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to today's guest, T. Martin Bennett, author of Wounded Tiger, the true story of the pilot who led the Pearl Harbor attack, whose life was changed by an American prisoner and by a girl he never met. You can read several chapters free online at woundedtiger.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at this same time for another edition of His People.